You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks for joining us. Each week, I have the privilege of speaking with industry leaders about issues that move our industry forward around financial advice, wealth and asset management, retirement, insurance and annuities, and technology. Our guests are working on strategies to help advisors, investors, participants, and firms enjoy better financial outcomes all around the confluence of digital and human advice. Today, we are speaking with Mark Spina, a longtime friend. Mark is president and chief operating officer of Flex Networks. Mark, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thank you, Jack. Great to be here. Terrific. So, Mark, let's start with you telling our audience about Flex Networks and your role there. I love the story. So, fill us in. Sure. As you said, president and COO here at Flex Networks. And the quick backstory is I was one of the original partners and employees. And actually, before that, I was on the advisory board here at Flex Networks back in, seems like a long time ago, not too distant uh, past, though, uh, back to first quarter of 2020. Brian Moran is the founder and CEO of the business. He had a bold idea, I, I think, that continues to resonate in a meaningful way, and that was to revolutionize the way that asset managers, wealth managers, and advisors engage I know that's an interaction you're familiar with, Jack, and it's one that you've been trying to shape and evolve over the years. So at a high level, I partner with Brian, our leadership team to help set strategy, create implementation plans and processes, and run the business on a day-to-day basis. And it's all pointed at bringing that idea and vision to life, maybe a level down from there, tactically, more tangibly, responsible for enterprise sales, marketing, and strategic partnerships. So let's go back a ways. You and I have known each other for, dare I say, decades. So we'll talk a little bit of background. You grew up in the wholesaling business, key account management business, then maybe tie that into what you're doing now, if you would. So I had a bit of an unconventional, it's more conventional today, less conventional when I went through it. Typically, as you know, Jack, you have people take a fairly linear path from internal sales to external sales, to divisional, to national, to potentially running the business. And I did all of those things. I also had some other experiences along the way that were kind of important and formative for me, both in those roles and reflecting today, I'm able to draw on those more diverse set of experiences that I had. So started in the financial services space 30 years ago, briefly on the wealth management or advisory side of the business. I saw a wholesaler come through an audience through our office one day, and I kind of questioned, what is that? Who is it? What just happened? (laughs) I kind of thought it was cool and neat role. I moved at that time into asset management, specifically at the time it was with uh, Alliance Capital, the predecessor to what is now AB. And I started in a shareholder services role. And you might say, big deal. I think that was important, though, in that it it stays with me today. It grounded me to the fact that at the end of this long process, there are actual shareholders. They're real people with real money that their dividend check, their dividend reinvestment, whatever the nature of that shareholder service request was, it was a person with real needs and real aspirations. So that's that stayed with me from a service perspective. I also had product responsibilities, marketing responsibilities, and strategy responsibilities. And bringing those things together today, I've been able to draw on those and kind of apply them in, in real time in a fast growing and, and kind of digitally oriented environment here at Flex Networks. 
So the thing I find fascinating, I'd love to have you talk about the whole network concept of what you're doing. And at least as I understand, and correct me if I don't get this quite right, basically you're wholesaling crude for hire. I, I'm quite sure you would prefer me not to say it that way, but at least for our audience, they might get that. That basically you're a third-party marketer in the old way. You're doing it very differently. I'd love to have you make that distinction between the old way and now how you guys are doing it, which I find fascinating. You also serve as a key account managers for hire. Again, bad term, but at least for our audience to get a sense of that, you're, if you have a number of firms that you work with or, or represent, number of home offices that you are speaking to and so on. So describe that and how that comes together. You really, you're helping both management firms and you're helping the asset managers work more efficiently and effectively together. Probably a better way to say it than for hire thing. But why don't you describe that? Why don't you straighten out what I just said? Brian Moran is bristling somewhere hearing that, Jack. But uh, <laughs> it's actually, quite fine and conversational. And it is the initial kind of understanding and kind of reflexive response. And in fairness, you go well beyond it. So I'll let you explain that. Of course. So there are absolutely components of the business that are people oriented and that tie to the concept of wholesaling and key difference between what we're doing and what's been done historically, though is there's multiple distinctions, I would say. One is that it's modular in the approach, Jack. We've talked about this. Historically, if you thought of a third-party marketer, they were fairly focused or or one-dimensional. You could hire that wholesaling team, they would represent the product, and that was the extent of the engagement. Brian and I both have spent significant time in business development and national accounts roles personally. We recognize that as a mission critical part of an overall distribution organization. We've built a team here, a significant team of national accounts professionals. We call them uh, platform relationship directors. And that, in fact, is the most widely utilized personnel service or capability. So as firms think about utilizing and partnering with Flex, many times they're coming to us seeking to hire a wholesaler or hire a wholesaling team more. And we're guiding them, we're educating, and we're getting an understanding of their product readiness, the amount of shelf space they have. And much, much, much more often than not, that conversation moves towards ensuring that the product is appropriately positioned. Is it marketable? Is it placed on a platform? So we're having these wider conversations with asset managers. Along with those personnel capabilities and part of the connection that that we've made, Jack, is that we see a digital and human kind of future. And this space has been largely unchanged, right? The way you started in the business wholesaling and built up a couple of companies focused on that responsibility. If you think about that basic act of advice, of rather, wholesaler calling on advisor, maybe back in an office, knocking on a glass window with a fact sheet and saying, excuse me, can I have a minute? That still happens today. It's kind of amazing when you think about how modern all other sales engagements have become, how like traditionally grounded most of the wholesaling experiences. It's better targeted. There's more data flowing into it. You can be more precise. But at the point of sale, it still looks and feels very similar to the way it did 30 years ago. Let's get at this networks yep. concept because I one of the things that really struck me, uh, we've known each other for a long time, but I read an article that 
appeared in FA Magazine, you did with a colleague. And it's just like, wow, this is a different way of thinking. And so let me do my version of translating it, but it's going to fall far short, I know, but I'd like to have you expand on that. So you take a firm that has a product or a capability, or they're really looking at the cost of wholesaling. They're trying to figure out how to be more efficient and effective. They're thinking of maybe getting out, or they're thinking about getting in, or they're thinking about doing a better job, which every wholesaling organization today is going through. What you guys will do, as I understand it, is that you might pick a product or two, or you might pick a solution or an orientation, and you identify firms, and you're working with the major firms. You have a team that really knows what each firm is looking for, and then you can position what they have to offer, where that might fit, so that you're on the front end, the gatekeeper, if you will, you're calling on those folks, and you're positioning this product in line with what they're trying to either fill a gap or what have you. And then you have a wholesaling team that goes out and then represents that product, but it's very targeted, very specific. So that's my attempt at explaining what you all do. But why don't you correct whatever I just said uh, wrong? And then also, I know it's far deeper and more refined than what I just described. You're far more right than wrong, Jack. And the network or the community that we're building, you're drawing the right conclusion in that Again, the compare contrast versus what was done historically in this space versus what we're doing. We very intentionally have engaged the wealth management side of the business. So a number of the leaders that you've talked to on this podcast, we're in regular dialogue with about how can we improve the wholesaling experience within their respective firms? How can we make it more efficient for the home office personnel who have either relationship management, product management, due diligence responsibilities? How can we allow those firms to retain access to a broad, diverse set of managers to achieve kind of avoid compression that's happening in the market where more and more assets are going to fewer and fewer managers? How do they retain choice? How do they retain democratization? But how do they do it in a more efficient way? A way to do that is to utilize a firm like ours that has a network of asset managers behind us where we're coordinating the personal interaction, we're coordinating the digital interaction, and making life for the home office of the wealth manager much much simpler, much easier. That's a concept that has resonated widely with the wealth management firms. And you could quickly see that as those relationships take hold, and they have with key wealth managers and intermediaries, our value to the asset manager increases, right? So we get more interesting, more capable asset managers or additional managers joining the platform, which further enhances our value to the wealth manager. So there's this stair-step process that we're going through quarter over quarter. And it's been an an important and exciting part of our overall build. So why don't you talk a little about your growth? I mean, the numbers in terms of the number of firms you represent, the number of wealth managers that you work with, I was frankly shocked. It's it's a pretty big impact. And again, it's very targeted for our audience, just so you get it. It's very targeted. So when they go to a firm, they're bringing their best and brightest in terms of product and people and so on. And I would imagine, please comment on this, I would imagine on the gatekeeper side, if you will, pardon the expression, but the due diligence folks, they have to be appreciative that when they when you come with an idea, they want to listen because it's probably going to be better than some of the other stuff they hear. Why don't you explain all that, your growth and also that 
pinpoint kind of targeting approach you take? Sure. So the growth, right? We're speaking together here in um, spring of 2022. Spring of 2020, the business was still an idea, largely a concept. It was a, a PowerPoint and a basic website that the initial idea that Brian founded the firm on the back of was one of better matching investment distribution professionals with asset managers, better identifying the capabilities of those distribution professionals, and essentially creating a matching exchange in the middle. That quickly evolved, Jack, to one of creating a shared services model that we've just described, where asset managers can utilize the shared services of a national accounts team, of a wholesaling team, of a marketing team, for example, of a media team, which is another thread we may draw on or not, but the use of media and video has expanded and we're big advocates of that. So from spring of 2020 to summer of 2020, we have this sequencing challenge that we have to unlock. We have to identify our first managers to be able to hire our first team members. We secure our first asset management clients in the summer of 2020. We go live with two asset managers. By September, we have four. By the end of 2020, we have 17 managers on the platform. So if you rewind and think about what's happening in the market and the environment at that time, businesses of all types, asset managers of all types are going through this existential evaluation. Who are we? What do we do well? What do we want to focus on as a firm? And almost universally, they come to the realization, we want to focus on asset management. And we're more open to partnering with experts in areas of di like distribution. And that's very, it seems very intuitive now. <laughs> I'm familiar with that intuitive thing. It's a little harder to make intuitive real, right? Exactly. So we end 2020 with 17 managers on, on the platform. Fast forward, the business matures a bit. The technology uh, platform supporting the business develops markedly. And by the end of 2021, we have over 40 managers on the platform. The size and scale of those managers increases over time as well. And then to your point, I'd be remiss not to address it. Within those asset managers, we're working with a set of what we think of as qualified product, product that is qualified and effective for the advisor market. We've done exhaustive research and data capture on the various wealth management platforms. We understand exactly which products are available at which places, and we're focusing our efforts based on that data and utilizing data, network, market recognition to target growth opportunities. So it sounds to me, to use another colloquialism, you're really taking out the noise. You're taking off the BS in terms of it's very targeted, select managers at select firms filling gaps that you know exist. I got to believe the other side would love to hear your comment on this. If if I'm at a firm and I'm responsible for due diligence, I welcome your call as opposed to maybe some of the other folks that might be calling on with a, an idea that they may not want to hear about. Well, it's interesting, Jack. You are right. It's counterintuitive to many, though. Think about yourself and an asset manager's uh, shoes and their viewpoint has been formed largely by one of intense focus on their respective capabilities. So growing up where living and breathing on their sales team, having a singular focus 
on a single manager's capabilities. The reality of that in the marketplace is to the professional buyer, to the product manager, to the advisor, there's only so many times that they want to hear about fill in the blank, emerging market equity, small cap growth. Our proposition is that we're able to represent a diverse range of products and therefore through scale of ideas, through diversity of ideas, we are able to gain and maintain access to both professional buyers and advisors. So it's counterintuitive and there are limits to it. We could be spread too thin and that's something we take great pains to guard against. But the trade-off is unequivocally there that scale and diversity leads to greater access and greater opportunity. So I'm, I'm, I know the whole digital thing, the whole technology thing is part of what you're doing. I'm sure that will expand. Um, I would imagine there's probably there's some interesting th- things that could happen in terms of how you continue to stay focused at the same time as serve this need. I think that's you're fulfilling a need that people didn't know they had. Often the best ideas are just that, right? So where do you see things going? Where are you guys going with all this? Think about, as you do, think about an environment where that has historically been dominated by interruption. It's been an interruption-based market, right? <laughs> Whether you're the internal wholesaler calling on an advisor or you're the, yeah, the yeah. wholesaler calling on an advisor in an office, it's been one of how do I interrupt my intended yes. buyer in the middle of what they're doing, maybe capture their attention, maybe through interruption, get them to change their behavior. It's worked. It's been a vibrant market and almost all of the constituents kind of grudgingly have accepted it, right? Yes, yes. To your point, though, we think we're presenting and building a different and better way. We were in the process of building uh, what you could think of as a digital exchange for wholesaling, one that brings together the community of asset managers, wealth managers, and advisors, and moves towards an invitation-based approach where we know that Jack has expressed interest. He's done, he's downloaded a tutorial on how to grow his advisory business through marketing to multiple generations. So Jack's growing and building his business. We know that somebody on Jack's team, an analyst on Jack's team has done multiple searches for the aforementioned, I think I said emerging market equity products. So we have a growing business. We have an interest in emerging market equity. That's kind of creating an invitation or an opportunity to serve up digitally information to Jack and his team on emerging market equity. We think that that is entirely more efficient and more sensible than 12 different salespeople rolling through Jack's office on any given day and yep, yep. pitching large growth, large value, you know, the newest alts idea that may be perfect investment products, but not suitable or timely for Jack and his team. A little too smart, though. I just want to caution you, but no, I, I joke. So you're not only, obviously, you're, we've talked a good deal about the product side, the sales side with the advisor and so on, but you're also, we haven't explored though, and if you would please talk a bit more about this, that sort of value added, as we used to call it back in the day, still is important, sounds like, but it's also targeted. We've talked a good bit about that. But what do you do around programs, around technology? In other words, how do you enable the advisor to be more effective and on point with how they do business and, and the kind of products they use? Sure. So you mentioned it earlier, Jack, being a network of networks, we we are able to source 
a combination of componentry. We're able to source practice management capabilities uh, from, from external providers. We think of them as solutions providers. We're able to source coaching from multiple external solutions providers. And alongside of that, I think of equal importance is we've built in-house capabilities in some of the areas that we think resonate across that community. And, and I'd go back to the ability for advisors to tell their story to prospective clients or existing clients digitally is something that we've built a capacity and a process for doing. We're helping asset managers build a routinized process for digitally engaging with wealth managers. And from the wealth management side, an ability for them to come in and search a library of asset managers and products as a way of developing advanced and advanced understanding of the products that they're set to review. It's a massive way to, you get the dual benefit of greater efficiency and greater depth like of understanding. So we think that video in multiple forms is something that from a solutions perspective going to continue to grow in popularity. And I know you do some of this now, but I would imagine that digital tools will be part of your network of networks. We'll talk a little bit about that if you would. Sure. So from a I, one that I would cite is one of the things that routinely comes back almost it's a fixture in terms of importance to advisors is the ability to generate leads, right? For lead yep. generation, they're yep. the biggest, the best, the brightest are even while they grow through organic growth and acquisition, there's a sustained interest in lead generation. So for advisors, we've been thoughtful about sourcing capabilities in that space. And that's a key part of the offering. We've partnered with a firm called A Identified, interesting shop worth checking out. They're doing novel things in that space. And mm -hmm. then for the asset manager side, right, by creating this digital exchange, our ability to generate leads for asset managers in targeted products on targeted firms down to the advisor level is something we're building out rapidly and expect to have in full form by the end of this year. So if I have this right, essentially what you're doing, you don't own all these capabilities. You are networking with your constituents, whether it's the folks on the due diligence side, folks on the advisor side, you're networking these kind of capabilities to help deliver what that particular advisor or that particular due diligence officer is looking to achieve. Do I have that right? Yeah, great. So yes, is the short answer. A clarification and, and maybe bridging back to one of the earlier questions and, and maybe misunderstandings about the, the business model. We, we have a 30 plus person team, uh, full-time employees at Flex, at Flex Networks, many of those advisor facing, many of those national accounts facing. So real people doing real work on a full-time full basis for Flex. Different from other players in this space though, we don't have an economic interest in the asset manager, right? So that's a purely network relationship. We don't have an economic interest in the wealth manager. That's obviously a purely a network relationship and also different from other players in the space. And this isn't to say right or wrong, just to say different, that we take an asset manager's product 
and represent it as is. We're not putting them into a sub-advised capacity. So we think we give asset managers like significant optionality, right? They retain the economic structure of the, the firm. They retain control of their product. We're delivering a much more efficient distribution partnership for them. And for, for the wealth managers, to your earlier point, we declutter or take out a lot of the noise in the environment by funneling dozens of asset managers into and through our communication channel. So speaking of the business model, who pays you? Where's the money come from? Good question. The economics of the model today are driven by the asset manager, right? Our interests are aligned with the asset manager. We want to ensure that we've got kind of a long-term partnership. These are multi-year agreements. We want to ensure that we have good people with significant experience driven to perform. So there's the combination of a retainer and incentive in those economic agreements. I'm going to use this as a useful bridge throughout that network, Jack, that you referenced. We're for the managers on our platform. We've intentionally, assertively worked to create synthetic scale for them. So as we go out to solutions providers, as we go out to wealth managers, we're able to to kind of bring consortium buying power. Mm -hmm. Think about the 40 managers. We bring that kind of consortium buying power to different constituents in the marketplace. And that's something else that I would say is distinctive and different from what we're doing from than from what others have done historically. Well, I think it's really cool. I like new stuff that's cool. And this is all that. So as we try to do to keep our discussion under a half an hour, why don't we wrap up? What are three key takeaways you'd like to leave with our audience as uh, we head off into the sunset? I'll start with the point we just talked about, this notion of, so number one is synthetic scale. In a business and industry that requires scale to succeed, managers have to think about how they can creatively and collaboratively create that scale. And and it's unlikely for the vast majority of asset managers to be able to create the requisite scale by themselves. So we're helping Mm -hmm. to create synthetic scale. For wealth managers, we're helping to simultaneously declutter their environment and democratize their product platform. So those two things seem like uh, at odds with one another. Our ability to deliver both things, I think, is a a big benefit. So decluttering and democratization, I'm going to take some liberty and, and call that number two on the list. And then and importantly, Jack, like we could do great work for asset managers. We could do great work for wealth managers. The third point that I think I'd make is an improved engagement experience for advisors. The notion, the concept of wholesaling product has to evolve in the next three to five years. It has to look more like everything else that an advisor, a person does in their day-to-day life of buying and selling product. And so think of that as more digitized, more invitation-based, and one one that retains a human element, but it, sure, it, that sure. the human element is brought in when and as needed. 
Well said. Actually, you've heard this countless times. I know you're a fan of the show. It's the confluence of digital and human advice. It's both. It's not one or the other. It's you really got to put them together. I'm, I really applaud what you and Brian have put together in the, the Flex Networks team. It's really uh, I, I'm impressive. I will continue to watch and applaud and root you guys on. So one last thing before we go, as we do each week on our podcast, my favorite question after all is what is something you do outside of work that you are excited or passionate about? people might find interesting or surprising. I try and stay active generally outside of works, but there'll be some recency bias in the response. I'm a board member on the Navy SEAL Family Foundation. We had a we had an event in Philadelphia just last week. Post-pandemic, we had record attendance, record giving. It was extraordinary, I'd say. For the reason kind of why it might be interesting to you in the audience is the SEAL operators obviously get some well-deserved uh, attention and accolades. Our foundation is purposefully pointed at the families, the women, gotcha. the children, the extended families that stand behind these operators and taking care of them in the routine needs of daily life that sometimes go underappreciated and underserved in that community. So by taking care of the family, it allows the operators to take care of their respective uh, jobs. It's been uh, humbling, grounding, and inspiring all at once to get a close-up look and interaction with that community. Great, great. I was unaware and thrilled to know, and thanks for doing that good work. So, Mark, uh, this has been a great conversation. I thought I knew a bunch about your business. I learned a whole bunch more. Thank you for that. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we are doing here at Wealth Deck on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again, Mark. It's been a lot of fun. I look forward to our next conversation, which I think is next week, actually. But in any event, I look forward to that next discussion. Likewise, Jack. Thank you for the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.